What is up, everybody? You are listening in to The Loser's Bench, and this is episode three. My name is Blake Mitchmore. With me every week is my partner, my friend, my weight loss, I'm just going to say it, soulmate. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> Katie Deering, what's up, Katie? <laughs> well, after that introduction, I'm just feeling really good about being here. I'm super excited. You should be. And last episode, Katie, you shared with everybody your story, where you were, what got you to the point that you had to consider weight loss surgery, what made you decide to go down that road. And this episode, I have to step to the plate. I'm really excited about this because, and I, I purposefully avoided talking about you as much in my little, in my little ditty because I knew we were going there, but, um, and you, you like to talk about yourself. I love to talk about myself. So I'm going to, this is going to be a real growing experience for me is really letting you have the floor. Um, but getting, you know, I've been present for your weight loss journey as well. When I first met my husband, um, that's when I first met you. That's when we became friends. And um, you were at maybe your highest weight, if not close to your highest weight at that time. And so walking Absolutely. through this with you a long time ago, I'm excited to hear you really tell that whole journey in, you know, a condensed amount of time. Oh, no, this is going to go. This might be like a three hour job. Just well, kidding. I'm drinking uh, decaf coffee right now, so I'm pretty amped. I'm pretty Just ready. kidding. If you're listening, don't, <laughs> don't, don't turn it off because I said it was going to be three hours. It's not. So um, let's see. Where does this start? So, I mean, similar to, you know, you when you talked about your story last episode. Um, <coughs> sorry, I'm dealing with the aftermath of having the flu a couple weeks ago still. So as I'm talking you might have to deal with a cough here or there that makes me sound like I'm 87. And in reality, I'm only 37. Um, it makes me envision you as the man from up. I'm just saying, you know, Hey, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> so growing up, I was, I wouldn't call myself fat, but I was also never the skinny kid. Um, you know, there was nothing I couldn't do. There was nothing I, you know, I was active in every single sport you could play. I mean, everything. But I was I was never the skinny kid. And as I grew up, that continued. And um, in high school, I was active in sports all the time. I was, at, you know, I used to be real falsely confident, but I was very, you know, I was very like strong lifting weights wise. And I tried to just kind of justify that I would, you know, yeah, I was a little overweight, but yeah, you know, look how much of weight I can lift. You know, I mean, I'm, it's, a, it's a, like a athletic big and it was, but I was still big. Um, and then I got into college and I wasn't near as active and weight started to, um, Started to go on, but I still wasn't what I would call like fat or I guess obese or anything like that. I was just a heavier, a heavier guy. Um, and then, you know, uh, college wasn't really, what's the best way to put it? I was really, you know, in my early 20s, like a lot of people, I was very immature and I didn't take college seriously. 
and I never finished college. And because of that, it caused a lot of issues between me and my dad. And so um, I started, you know, the weight gain started probably when I was about 22, 20, you know, 22 really is when it really started. And then my dad passed away when I was 23. Um, mm. we, we were, I was actually in Florida at the time. I um, had gone out there to work a, I was working a job in insurance doing like hurricane insurance claims. And um, it was just a out of nowhere accident. He was um, 56 at the time. He was healthy. He was in good shape. I mean, there was no, it was just an accident. And at, at that point, I mean, my, uh, to say my world was rocked was an understatement. Um, mm -hmm. My dad loomed so large in my life. He was, even though, you know, we had a very tumultuous relationship at that point, he was still, he was the person that if I needed advice, I went to, he was the person that if um, something was, you know, not just advice, like, but if something was bothering me, I went to, he was the person that um, I would call just to talk. And, and, you know, he was a friend. He, and he was the first person I called. I mean, and at that point in my life, this wasn't very often, but if I had something that I did or something that I was proud of, he was the one that I called to tell about it first, more so than, you know, if I was dating a girl at that point or my friends or even my mom, he was the first phone call I made. So um, the analogy that I've, I've came up with over the years is like, you know, a ship has a, like a rudder and my dad was that rudder in my life. And uh, when he was gone, I mean, you know, I was rudderless and directionless. I, I didn't know what to do. So I withdrew, you know, from that stand, from, from about there forward, I, I, over the next, you know, little while and years, I completely withdrew into myself and I didn't know it at the time, but, um, pretty much sank into a pretty dark depression overall that didn't, you know, mm -hmm. saying that that doesn't mean that I didn't still have friends. I didn't still go do things I didn't do. But I just completely lived a completely unhealthy lifestyle. And I didn't confide in people. I didn't, you know, I I, I was very closed off to everything. Um, and um, I've always been, and I still am to this day, I've always been like an emotional eater, you know, mm -hmm. um, whether <sighs> – you know, whether it was a girl that broke up with me or I didn't have my dad anymore. I didn't have um, something that didn't go right in my job, something that didn't go right in school. Oh, food was always there. You know, that that um, pizza was always there and it always tasted the same, always was good, never disappointed me, you know. Or whatever else, you know, a big thing when I was at my heaviest was Popeye's chicken. That was all, that always was 
you know, damn good and never disappointing, <laughs> and never, never let me down. So that yeah. that was kind of what I did in that in that period of time. I I mean, I just ate and ate and ate. And at that point, as I started to get in, in a um, much worse place mentally, I didn't I was very inactive. I was I just was at home. I didn't. And the weight started to just keep piling on. And, you know, whereas when I was 22, I probably weighed about what I do now, which is about 240, 250 pounds. Um, I started tipping the scales at 300. And then after my dad passed away, I quickly went from, you know, in the span of about, I mean, well, I was 29 when I made the decision to have weight loss surgery. And so from 23 to 29, I gained about 175 pounds in about six years. So about, you know, close to about 30 pounds a year for about six years straight. And, um, I, you know, just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and my family would express concern, express concern, express concern. Um, and I heard it and I knew I needed to do something, but I just wasn't in that place. I mean, I, I just wasn't, I couldn't, you know, I, there was nothing in me that wanted to help myself and wanted to fix things. Well, I think, you know, when I, when I hear you say, I want to go back to when you're talking about that, you didn't realize it at the time, but that you went into that deep depression or that deep depressed place. And I think, you know, mental health and weight gain, there's, I think anybody who's gained a significant amount of weight can probably pinpoint an event or, or some, some extreme emotion, whether it's grief or anxiety or whatever they're struggling with that, um, food became that coping mechanism, you know? And it's like, uh, so much of that journey of, you know, you, you, you try, but you don't try, or you hear other people, uh, but eating is so much easier than actually dealing with those those dark um, things that you're working through, right? Like um, when I gained most of my weight was after a traumatic event where, you know, dealing with all these other pieces, even the most stressful pieces was easier than tackling what was actually going on. So, um, I think, uh, number one, thanks for sharing about, about your dad, but, um, sometimes, sometimes that relationship with food, um, we use that, you know, to cover up actually dealing with a lot of those issues. Uh, 1000%. I mean, I didn't deal with anything. Like I, I just buried it and, uh, you know, Cause I didn't, you know, I didn't have, I don't think I had like the revelation of just how, um, big the specter of my dad was in my life. And it didn't click with me from a mental standpoint until years down the road. And after I was already well into this journey of, um, having surgery and starting to kind of, you know, like you mentioned, redis, 
when you shared your story, rediscover myself, it was at that point that everything clicked. And I, you know, I realized that's why not that losing your, your dad or losing a parent would not devastate you mm-hmm. period, but that's why it was so devastating and, and really, you know, more or less derailed my life is because that was the, you know, the relationship I had in, in my mind was so large. And so he was such a large figure in my life. You know, one of the things, and this is not going to be uh, a religious podcast and never, you know, that's not the goal of this, but you know, sure. one, one of the things that I realized was in a lot of ways, my dad was, you know, like a, a godlike figure in my life. Like I had, you know, I had that kind of reverence for him. And that's why it was such a devastating thing that caused me to kind of spiral downward. Um, so, you know, in the corresponding years after that, you know, this, this path just continued. And, and by the time I found myself probably, I'll say, you know, 28 I would say at that point I weighed um, the highest I ever remember weighing at a doctor's office when I, you know, had gone in there was like 425 pounds and I'm only five foot nine. So that's, Mm -hmm. so to give everybody a mental picture, I'm not a, I'm not a tall guy, not that 425 pounds isn't a lot for anybody, but I'm not a tall guy. So it was a lot of weight. Um, And as we start to post on our social media accounts, I still have some of the old pictures of what I looked like and I can post those so that people see just how big I really was. And at that point I started to have a lot of problems. I started to, I had been, I was sick more than I had ever been in my entire life. And it wasn't, you know, I had got colds and, you know, stuff like bronchitis and I, I managed to, um, get pneumonia that year, which I'll detail here in a minute because that it, it, it falls in line with the, the event that made me really change. Um, and I started to have a lot of physical problems. You know, you detailed you, you, you st- your struggle coming down the stairs. Mm-hmm. You know, everything hurt. You know, my knees hurt, my back hurt, my neck hurt, you know, my feet hurt. I mean, it was everything hurt. I, you know, I can remember vividly a couple of times, like I went to a um, TCU football game with a really close friend and we had to park way far off mm-hmm. and about halfway through it. Um, I had to stop and like find a place to where I could kind of take the pressure off my back because my back was seizing up to the point that I could hardly walk. And and what I would do most of the time is this was a regular problem for me. So if I was, you know, whereas like if you're in a, a situation where you might be just standing in a group of people talking, I would look for a place to sit down because I knew it was coming if I didn't, if I stood up for more than about 10 or 15 minutes. Oh, absolutely. And, then, and I think that's something that, um, like, I think everybody who listens to this podcast that has struggled with their weight at all, they're going to immediately hear that and go, yes. But the people who have never struggled with weight, that's such a foreign concept, I think, to people that 
anytime I'm out with a group of you, I'm looking for where I can rest or where I can sit or where I can, can stop to take a breath. Um, it's just not something that people really think about. No, not at all. And so, um, as that's starting, you know, I'm 29 and I go on this trip. Uh, my brother, I wasn't working at the time and my brother, um, asked me, he's like, Hey, you know, he did some stuff like he used to, um, redo like the insides of cars for people and, you know, put CD players, TVs, all that kind of stuff. And so he had a car he had done. It was actually a really big, like truck that people use to pull horse trailers. He's like, Hey, I got to take this to, um, we, I've got to take this to Pennsylvania. My wife, his wife couldn't go. He's like, you want to go? We don't ever get a chance to hang out. You know, I need somebody to go with me so I can drive and, you know, talk to me and I don't fall asleep just going down the road. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. You know, it's my oldest brother. We don't hang out very often. It's a chance to spend a couple of days with him and like, great. So as we're going, um, he and I both get sick at the same time. And as we go on this, tr- you know, as this trip goes on, he gets sicker and I get better. And then, um, as I get home, I end up getting walking pneumonia and it's the sickest I've ever been. And I was sick for about seven, eight weeks straight. But on this trip, we get stuck. We're in, in a suburb of Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh. And we had this plan. We're like, Hey, you know, the Pittsburgh's not that far away. Maybe the pirates are playing or something. Go see a game. Well, this like torrential downpour hits and we're stuck stuck in a hotel room all day long. And mm-hmm. um, at, at one point I fell asleep just, you know, taking a nap. And when I woke up, he has a video on his phone and it's of me sleeping. And I used for the longest time I had this video and I put it on a, a blog I had and I just kept it and I don't have it anymore. And it pisses me off because I would love to show it to people still especially now that we're doing this podcast but um the first thing that stands out is the snoring that i the i sounded like i mean to me i sounded like a horse it was so loud it was i mean it was insane how loud i snored and then there was a 50 second period where i still to this day 10 years from you know well nine years removed um, I don't know if I was breathing or not. I've seen that video and it's, it's terrifying. Like the pause there, it feels like it goes on forever. It's, it's a minute. It's, it's like 48 seconds. And my brother says that he got real close to me and he thinks I was breathing really shallow. But if you just watch the video between the fact that I don't make any noise. And then there is, I mean, you've seen it, Katie. There is a gigantic gasp at the end of it. I mean, yes, I don't think, I mean, that was the level of sleep apnea I had to the point to where, and so in typical guy fashion, typical, you know, two brothers, I just kind of laughed it off at that point. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, we get back home and, you know, a week passes and it really starts to set in with me and it really starts to bother me because at that point in, in, in time, I didn't, um, 
I, I never, like, I knew I wasn't sleeping at night. Um, there were times where I would get up and I would, within an hour or two of waking up, I could go right back to sleep. And, you know, that feeling of, um, you know, Katie, when you get that feeling of when you're really tired and like your eyes are burning. Oh, for sure. Yes. I would wake up in the morning and I would still have that feeling. So I knew I wasn't sleeping at night. And then seeing this, like I knew, you know, oh my God, this isn't happening once a night. This is happening constantly. Like this is what's going on. Like, you know, and it really started to bother me. And about a week after that, he and I um, had lunch and he wanted to talk about it. And I broke down because then I told him, like, no, you know, this is – it really, really bothered me. And I know I've got to do something because I was – you know, and it really set in with me that um, I was 29 at the time. Uh, I was single, you know, whereas um, majority of my friends were married – having kids or have had kids or having kids. And uh, <laughs> now I <laughs> might choose to be single for the rest of my life um, because of other stuff that we'll probably never get into on this, this show, but um, I will find a way to get into it. I'm sure. <laughs> but, um, so, and I, and the realization hit me that like I'm 29 and, and I don't know that like, and I was 29. I was about to turn 30 in about four months. And I, and I, mm-hmm. and what I thought, Oh my God, I'm, I'm about to turn 30 and I don't know that I'm going to see 40, whether it was dying in my sleep or having a heart attack. I really felt like if I didn't do something, I don't know that I'm going to see the next 10 years. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know if you ever watched the show biggest loser, but when it was first on, I remember I would watch the show and they would weigh all the contestants at the beginning and they would say, okay, here's your real age. Like how old you are. Here's how old based on your body composition. This is how old your body thinks it is. And I used to see that and think like, that's insane. You would have a 29 year old who it's their, their actual, you know, body age was aging at like 55. But when you're, you know, I remember being 304 pounds and I was 32 years old. And if I can't get up a few stairs or I can't, you know, I wake up in the morning and I feel like I need to go to sleep immediately again. Like that's not a 29 or that's not a 32 year old body. So, um, I mean, that's, it's, it's such a crazy mind twist to think about, but definitely like at 29, that should be the prime of your life. And, I, you know, I remember, I remember Blake at 29 and I remember like, I used to kind of refer to you before we were best buddies or whatever, um, as just like grumpy Blake, right? Like you were just kind of grumpy Blake. Um, I was all the time. (laughs) So I'm still that way now. That's just my personality, but it was way worse back then. It it was, it was less like endearing, if that makes sense. It was more just like this, this demeanor of, and I don't mean this to be a pun, but like a heaviness, not like a physical heaviness, but even just that emotional heaviness as well that you kind of carried around with you. But and what that's brought exactly you what it, what from, it came from? Absolutely. So, so what was it that prompted you to really get that process of gastric sleeve moving? And how, I mean, how did you move forward with that? So, 
when I got to that point where I, I, you know, like I said, that realization of, oh my God, I'm about to turn 30 and I don't know that I'm going to see 40. I, I started to, um, weight loss surgery was something kind of like you, not from a, um, a financial perspective because, you know, um, I was able to, I was blessed or lucky enough to be able to just pay for my surgery outright because of what happened to my dad. Now Mm -hmm. I would, you know, if I could rewind the clock 14 years, I would give that, that ability up in a heartbeat and, and have figured out a way to either finance it or, you know, to give, to get my dad back. But I was able to pay, you know, so I had thought about it before, but you know, back then there's more and more people. And there's a community of people now that have done this, but back then there's a real stigma around it of like, Oh, if you do that, you're just taking the easy way out. You, know, you, you just don't want to work to, you still want to work to, you still want to put the work in. You just want to take the easy way out. And, and just to so, remind everybody, this was nine years ago, right? Yep. Coming yeah. up on nine. It'll be nine years in November. So it's not something that people really even were public no, about. Sorry, it was nine years this past November. My bad. It's been so a so little over nine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and that kind of, you know, kept me away from really just, but at that point I thought, okay, I've got to do something and I've got to do something that, and kind of like you, you mentioned, you know, I hadn't done like the fad diets or the, the MLMs, but I had, you know, dieted and I had lost 20, 30 pounds here or there, but then it just goes right back on. I'd done that a bunch. Mm-hmm. and in my head, I thought, okay, I've got to do something that will be life-changing, not just, okay, I'm not, I'm going to go on a diet because eventually diets get old and you go back to that Popeye's chicken or that pizza or, you know, <laughs> Sonic cheese sticks or, you know. Oh, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I thought, okay, this is, this is if I'm going to really do this and I'm going to be different, I think this is the best thing for me. This would be the, this is the Avenue that would really help me to really make this something that is for the rest of my life and not just something that happens for six months or a year or whatever. And, um, I had seen, you know, there was Nate Newton who used to be a famous Dallas Cowboy. He was on, television commercials he had had gastric sleeve um there's a guy who actually you know has become a friend after that his name's uh ben rogers that is a a radio host in the dallas market he had had it and i had seen their success and then so i knew that's the route i wanted to go and um as far as choosing gastric sleeve there was really only one thing that really made me think that that so the lap band was something I thought about because it, it, at the time I had my surgery, it was gastric sleeve, it was bypass, or it was lap band. That was your three options. Right. Lap band was something I thought about, but I also knew that lap band was something that you could go in and adjust. Mm-hmm. And I had not really considered bypass, but you know, I, I looked at that and I knew somebody that, and I spent some time with somebody that had had it and they had so many issues and there were so many things they couldn't do and so many problems. And it's like, okay, I don't want to do that. 
And so when I looked at bypass, it was, there was no messing with your intestines. There was no going back. It was, we're going in, we're cutting 70% of your stomach out, you know, stapling it together, whatever they do. And that's just, that's it. And so I looked at it as, okay, this is permanent. This is, I can't. Now, granted, you know, as you go down this road, you realize that your stomach just stretches right back out. Um, but still, it was a permanent thing. It was not a, it was not something I could waver on. It was not, once I did it, it was something I, it was no looking back. I had to just buy in, do it and go forward. So that's the path I chose. I had it. And, you know, you detailed your story on our last episode where, you know, your weight loss has been steady. You've done great. And you, I was one of those people that weight just fell off of me. I lost in the two different diets I had before surgery. I lost 60 pounds before I ever had surgery. I lost so much weight that most people and even people in my family were like, you sure you want to do this? And, <laughs> and I was committed and sold. I was like, nope, not changing, doing it. And, and you know, I'm trying to, to bring this home real quick because we try to keep these episodes, you know, fairly short. But um, as I did this diet, almost immediately – you know, his weight started to come off. I, my legs didn't hurt near as bad. I, nothing was near as, you know, nothing took near as much effort. Nothing was, um, I wasn't in near as much pain. I started mm. sleeping. I started sleeping again. And, and I think you, as somebody who, who knew me at that point, I know Justin and I've had the conversation before your husband, even at that point, like the change was happening. Like it, I was starting to, life was coming back. I was in a better place. I had more personality. I was more confident. And it's just because things were so much easier on me. Absolutely. Well, I remember, you know, when I would joke about calling you Grumpy Blake, but I feel like when I really got to know you and when you stopped being just Justin's friend and we started being friends with each other is after your surgery, because, um, you know, I felt like, even just before your surgery, you kind of had this persona of I'm Blake and this is just like that. And I don't want to say you were grumpy all the time. Like that's, I know that's, you know, we joke about that being grumpy. you don't have to not say that yeah. I was, but, um, but it really felt like a wall, right? Like as far as us having, you know, me really getting to know who you were inside of, uh, inside of yourself, like who, who is Blake? As soon as you had weight loss surgery, you were very public about it. You started a blog. You would talk about all of the good, the bad, the ugly. You would post pictures and you never hesitated. And I remember like reading those posts. And at first when I started to read them, it was always really surprising to me. I was like, oh, I didn't know that that he was feeling that way. And I saw you as you started to lose. And you again, you said it yourself. You lost so much so quickly um, that we started having more conversations and you started being really active and talking about working out. And, um, I really felt like I got to know who you were as a person, not just Justin's friend Blake for the first time, which was really exciting. And, and I think you did, because you know, you said walls, I did have walls up anybody at that point in my life. If you didn't know me, you weren't getting in. Like if you yeah. hadn't known me for a while, you weren't getting in. Yeah, you know, I would be somewhat nice to you. I mean, you know, even you said, you know, I was grumpy all the time. And I do kind of have, even to this day, 
I, you know, the only term I can think of is I have, <laughs> I have resting bitch face. Um, that's just my people think I'm pissed off all the time. And I'm like, no, I just don't smile. I, uh, I suffer from that condition as well. So it's okay. So, but what you just said is absolutely right. I mean, and that blog, even though I, I opened my soul, that was hard for me. That wasn't something I wanted to do. I had a friend and it's kind of goes along with what, you know, the whole purpose of this podcast is going to be. Um, I had a friend come to me and tell me I should do it. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't, because at that point, when it first started, I was still in that mode of being private and, and not being confident in who I was and, and wanting to let people in. Um, and, you know, she told me that there's, you never know who might need to, who might be out there and might need to hear it, might need to read this. And it could spur them to change and want to do the same thing. And that's what, you know, caused me to do that. And <clears throat> honestly, that's what brought me out of my shell was doing that. And, um, and she was right. You know, I, I still to this day firmly believe there are so many people out there that whether it's this or it's something else, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to confide in somebody, but if they can just know that somebody else out there struggles with the same thing, it might spur them to finally want to do something also. And I don't know why all of a sudden this of all things made me upset, but um, <laughs> I talked about my dad and got through that, but this is getting me, you know, somewhat joked up. But anyway, um, that's where that came from. And, and that's, you know, that's why when you asked me to do this, that's why I was all about it because finding the things that help you unlock the, whether it's the ability to share your story to help others or just the, for me, it, it helped unlock confidence. It helped unlock personality. It helped unlock being able to let people in. Um, for sure. And so, yeah, I mean, and you know, and there's, you know, like we've talked about, I'm, I'm nine years removed at this point and I'd love to tell everybody that, ah, it's just, everything's been, so, but you know, it hasn't, <coughs> life gets in the way, you know, I've yo-yoed up and down now. I've never yo-yoed anywhere close to where I was. I mean, you know, I've consistently for nine years cut, kept between 150 and 180 pounds off. Which is awesome, by the way. Yeah. And it's something, I mean, you know, I I finally probably about a year or two ago just got to the place to where um stopped kind of kicking myself in the ass that I never, you know, reached my big goal and started just being like, you know what? The fact that you've done this for nine years is pretty badass. <laughs> so, oh, God almighty, I feel like well, I'm such a girl <laughs> right now. Hey, hey now. Um, just for context, I just want to share that while Blake was talking, I typed in this little box, are you emotional or sniffly? Because I just, I was, I was trying to read it. I was trying to read the situation. Yeah. But 
like I said, I don't know why, you know, <laughs> why all of a sudden that made me emotional, but I mean, it is the truth, it, you know, and to kind of bring this thing home, it, it's the truth. I mean, that blog changed everything for me. And, you know, I'd like to sit here and say that I would have got, and maybe I would have, I'm not going to say I wouldn't have, but I don't know for a fact that I would have, if it wasn't for that, because that's what caused me to open up and to be an open book in a lot of ways and to, into what you, what you said, you know, to be open to letting people in and, and talking about myself and, and just, just being open in general. And that, that changed me as a person to my core. And, you know, and I think you'd agree with this, Katie is kind of a final thought to this. I mean, and I think I've told you this, losing the weight is fantastic. Your life mm-hmm. is easier. You know, you feel better about yourself. You look better about yourself. You know, you mentioned your old Navy story last week. You know, the thing that, and I've told you this before, the thing that sticks with me is, and some people on this may not know what Buckle is. Buckle is a store <laughs> where, you know, they have whatever. You you choke on the cologne as you walk in. You, <laughs> you taste it cologne, every it's pore got, of your body. It's got like, um, you know, uh, I don't know what, the, but it's just like say trendy. it. Douchey. It's real douchey. Yeah, yeah. Douchey clothes, <laughs> like you know, all the trendy clothes, and it's all no like, offense to people who love the buckle. Sorry. And I never could shop there. Never. You know, I was way too big. There's nothing ever there, and as I, you know, lost a lot of weight and, um, I went in there and I was like, you know what, I can go in here and I can wear the stuff in here and not feel bad about myself. And I still to this day, remember telling the guy, you know, I got down to wearing, um, a 38 waisted jeans and I, my length was a 30. Um, cause you know, like I said, I'm not very tall. And mm-hmm. the guy looked at me. He's like, yeah, we don't have those, man. I'm like, what? He goes, he goes, that's the most common size we sell. And so it's hard Mind for us blown. to keep those in the store. <laughs> oh, yeah. I almost broke down in the store because I was like, and it, was, you know, and it wasn't anything special, but it was like, that was the first time I was like, oh, my God. I've gone from having to wear big and tall stuff and feeling so horrible about myself to where I'm, I'm normal. I'm, I'm just like everybody else. Yeah. And um and that that stuck with me to this day and that was, you know, I don't even know when that was, 8 9 years ago. So, I'm going to stop crying. I'm going to stop being <laughs> emotional. We uh, welcome it. I, uh, but I, I think like I think your story will resonate with so many people because, um, you know, like you were talking about all of these walls. I don't think there's a person one who gains that much weight that doesn't have some kind of wall up or barrier or defense mechanism up. And, you know, through all of the hard things that you've gone through in your journey, uh, being able to lose weight is not, like you said, it's not just about the pounds. It's about finding out who you are and what you like. And, and not only that for yourself, but other people getting to see that as well, which is terrifying and scary and wonderful all at the same time. So, um, I'm so, I love hearing you share your story and, you know, you make fun of yourself about being emotional, but I think that men need to be more emotional in 2020. So, you know, goals, goals of 2020 for, for me and society, let's, let's celebrate the tears. Well, but, um, 
I'm glad I'm on the yeah. I'm on the forefront of that for you then. You're you're leading the charge, man. I'm really I'm really proud of you. Um yeah. Uh, yeah, we're gonna end up this episode uh just thinking towards the future. Uh, I know that we have a lot of different topics to talk about, and we would love to hear even just from our listeners, what are some things that you would love to um hear us talk about or to engage with, or what stories do you want to celebrate and share? Uh, next week or next episode, we're gonna be talking about specifically pre-op. So all of the things that happen before you hit the loser's bench. Um, all of the different things that we ourselves went through or did not go through, some of the the feelings that we are working through or were working through, and just uh, pros and cons and logistics. So that would be a great episode, even if you're in that pre-op process. We would love for you to tune in uh, and listen. So, uh, Blake, where can we find you between now and then? Um, when I'm not getting emotional on podcasts, I am... <laughs> Uh, you can find me. My Twitter handle is at Blake Mitchmore. Um, last name is M I T C H A M O R E. My Instagram is Blake Aaron 73. And you can find me Katie at V S G underscore Ravenclaw on Instagram, Katie dear on Twitter. And then again, please connect with us, um, as a podcast on Twitter and Instagram. The handles for both of those are at losers bench pod and please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a little note, five-star review. We would love that. So, uh, we're going to, we're going to hit this thing out. Yeah. See you next time. Later losers. <laughs>